Welcome, everyone, to the first ever .NET Maui podcast. We're here to keep you up to date with the latest and greatest with .NET client development. We'll talk about some Azure, some Visual Studio, and, of course, .NET Maui. I'm Matt Sokup. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm David Ortnow. David or and now special guest on the pod. Now, this isn't like the first podcast that we've ever done. This is the same RSS feed, same domain name that you can get there from other domain names, which I forgot what I registered. So we'll update those in the show notes. <laughs> How about this one, James? Xamarin Podcast Compat. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's what we should have renamed it to. No, no, no. There's brand new artwork as well. So if you are inside of a podcast application like Pocket Cast or Overcast or other cast type of applications that end with podcast, you can go in and refresh the artwork. And there's brand new, beautiful .NET Maui artwork. It happened. Uh, I'm really excited. The, the The developer division design team, I worked with them over the last month and just some stunning stuff. Uh, David approved and he's a designer. So David gave it a thumbs up. <laughs> I liked it. I, I'm a design appreciator. Uh, I know my way around some uh, Adobe Creative Cloud suite stuff. That's all I can ask for. I always I always thought, and David, we'll have to do a, a life in the times of, of David Ort now. I always thought that, I mean, I knew that you were a developer, but I always thought that you were like a designer first. Cause I remember you spoke at evolve 2016, mm-hmm. 2014. And that wasn't the, all the evolves. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm just showing off. Um, but you talked about design in your, I did. What's a find that's gotta be on YouTube. Uh, it is on YouTube. It's actually got quite a few views and it's probably one of my most favorite presentations I've ever given. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's always been a passion of mine. I've worked with creative companies for the majority of my career. So working side by side with designers and kind of bridging the gap between what they conceptualize and what we're able to actually deliver using whatever technology we had at our fingertips. Um, so it's a easy, and, and something that I thought that a lot of developers could benefit from having a better understanding of design concepts. What you know, because we can code something and make it work perfectly, and nobody mm-hmm. loves it. You want yeah. your stuff to be loved, so yeah, a lot of that comes down to the user experience and the design. So, yep. Well, I don't know if you saw me recently on the Twitters. I don't know if I have one of those. I follow one account, just Dogecoin. But um, <laughs> I uh, I recently tweeted funny talk about design. I tweeted I have my My Cadence app, and I was working on this. this is an app that I built, and mm-hmm. it connects little Bluetooth sensors for bike riding, uh, indoor bike riding. And I was adding this history feature into the app and I did the traditional thing, which is like, here's a list view and here's a bunch of words in a card view. The card view looks nice. And I go, this looks terrible. I mean, it just looks (laughs) terrible. And then I I tweeted out and I said, my designers, my design friends and and engineers, anybody like, please help me, please make this look better. And well, I'll have to add a link to the, to the tweet because it was fun to watch the people that sent the inspiration from apps Mm -hmm. that they liked, apps that they've built, uh, was Amron forms and, and other apps that they've, they've used, like I said, that displays similar information. And I just mostly changed the design language to be more, visual icon based and made the numbers, the important numbers shine mm-hmm. and the relevant information. But for me, I just, yeah, went to the old thing, which was like, Oh, I'm just going to literally just sit there and plop words on a list. And that works, but it's not a pleasant user experience. 
Right. No. And it's, it's fun to, to iterate over that. Right. And to, uh, say, okay, well, I'm going to change maybe the color of it or use icons or change the shape of it and, and look for inspiration. I think the looking for inspiration can be just a great exercise that broadens your horizons and you can think of solving things in ways you never thought of before. I, I use Pinterest for that on occasion. And, uh, you know, it's not just for shopping for your dresses and your clothes and your jewelry or whatever, but you can uh, go look at UI design and see what is hot and trending and come up with lots of really cool ideas. Uh, You turned me on to Uplabs a while ago, years Mm -hmm. ago, probably. Um, And that's a constant source for me to go see what designers are pumping out, how they're thinking about UI design, what's changing and trending. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is definitely a website I like Uplabs and uh, Dribble and all those. It's fun too to just go through the designs, like you said, and watch the trends and watch gradients come and gradients go and rounded quarters come and rounded corners go. <laughs> yeah, so. when you've been doing this for a while, you see you see the waves, and yeah. uh, <laughs> it's, it'll it'll all come back eventually. Hopefully, it comes back better though. And yeah, yeah. Now I know on the podcast, we were just talking about this. So what makes the .NET Maui podcast new? Well, like uh, Matt said in the beginning, you know, we're going to focus on all things .NET client development in and around .NET Maui, still sprinkling some Azure, some Visual Studio, which we'll talk about quite a bit. But honestly, the other thing we want to do is while we've had David come on as special guest giving .NET Maui updates, we're going to be sitting down with the engineers, the PMs behind the product and doing some special um, sort of interviews with them on the podcast every single month, um, including uh, beyond that, all the stuff that Matt's been doing with actually talking to customers and developers using our tools to build awesome stuff. So definitely keep subscribed for all that good stuff. But let's just get into it, David. What you got for us? That Maui update. Yeah, so I'll give you a quick update. So uh, where we are right now, we just shipped Preview 7 uh, a few weeks back. And so with .NET Preview 7 comes a whole host of changes to .NET MAUI and uh, kind of really starts off with layouts. So uh, if you've been checking out .NET MAUI since, say, Preview 3, uh, you've been using the layouts that came straight from Xamarin Forms. And these are the layouts that work best with renderers, but we kind of made them work initially with uh, handlers. The reason that's important is because for laying something out, you first have to measure, then you have to position, and you have to work up and down that uh, visual tree to make sure everything sizes correctly and and is where you want it. So, But that works differently between handlers and renderers. What we did here in Preview 7 is we uh, replaced the existing forms-based layouts with brand new MAUI-optimized layouts. Uh, There are some some primitive layouts, such as vertical and horizontal stack layouts. Uh, We even have a draft PR right now for a Z-stack layout, which is not committed to. It wasn't even something that we were planning on, but one of the engineers was working on it and said, Comes hey, out, of, out of the screen? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it can come out of the screen, go behind the screen. It can do all <laughs> kinds of crazy, crazy wow. Z-ordered things. Z-order being the depth uh, of a visual element for those who, that might be a new term for you. Um, so, uh, so layouts are really uh, all brand new, essentially. So, uh, what that means is your preview seven experience may look 
quite a bit different than preview six and earlier. But the good news is, is that uh, as we do subsequent releases and we go to GA, everything's going to get much better. And uh, we're looking for some of the performance improvements, some of the reliability improvements, uh, you know, when you size something, you want it to be that size. And that really all comes down to the layout manager that does that work. We also leveled the defaults. And so what I mean by that is when you have a stack layout and you set the spacing, the spacing by default in Xamarin Forms was eight. Did you know that, Matt? Did you know that? I thought it was seven, but eight. You thought it was seven. Yeah, but no, it's eight. Uh, and I think that, uh, gosh, there's a couple other defaults on like uh, frames and grids and stuff like this. The The thing is, is that th- that was always confusing to developers. We heard often from, from people that it was confusing. Why are these arbitrary values there? Just level it to zero. And so interestingly, uh, we did that. And the feedback has been pretty positive to that. So it's always funny to me when you make a small change like that, that just clarifies everything, how, how excited developers get. Because now you know what to expect. Uh, some of the other stuff that was in there, we're not going to dwell on it too much here because the blog post covers this m- in more detail. We made some accessibility updates for uh, semantic focus and announce. So this is primarily for screen readers. And we did actually remove, because we really tried to lock down the API in Preview 7. So no more API changes after Preview 7. So we took our last opportunity and we removed the tab index and is tab stop from talking to customers that really focus heavily on hitting the highest level of accessibility rating for their apps, that uh, these were not useful and were actually confusing and getting in the way. And so it's like, let's get rid of them. Let's do this right. Um, and then font scaling. This is a really another exciting one. So uh, we've always had named fonts. So you could do large, headline, uh, small, things like this. Um, but what if you just want your fonts to scale according to what the user has chosen for their device? Um, I have relatives and family who uh, their eyesight is not what it once was. And so they like to bump that font up on their phone. Well, you want your app to automatically account for that. And then you'll have to do some additional work for layout to make sure that it uh, resizes as it should. So that's now supported by default. You can turn it on and turn it off. Um, And that's all in Preview 7. Uh, One of the last things I'll mention about Preview 7 is we were very close to having .NET MAUI in the Visual Studio 2022 installer. But there were some late changes and things that made it not a good experience. So we decided to not ship it as part of Preview 3 of Visuals 2022. Um, However, moving on to what you're going to see next, in the next preview of Visual Studio, that all should land. So your setup and install experience should be really smooth. Um, That means that you just install Visual Studio 2022 Preview 4, you get all the MAUI stuff that you need, the emulators, the tooling, the SDKs, and you don't need to worry about MAUI checking things or any of the command line stuff. Um, That'll be a nice big improvement for those who have experienced Preview 7. uh, You know that the MAUI check Visual Studio experience was pretty disjointed and rough. And uh, I know that several people have hit some, uh, you know, like they had installed all the .NET 6 previews beforehand. And when they went to Preview 7, there was like, oh, no, everything's broken. Um, So this will be a nice improvement. 
Um, some of the other stuff to look forward to, uh, the hot reloads will be getting improved and more features will be landing in preview for a visual studio. And then, uh, in terms of SDK stuff, layouts, I've already mentioned, still going to continue to get lots of love. You may have noticed that your layout started looking different. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot of improvements, bug fixes, polish come to the layouts and then borders, corners, and shadows. If anybody follows Javier Suarez Ruiz on Twitter, he will frequently uh, tweet out what he's working on. And uh, it's some pretty cool, beautiful stuff for borders, corners, and shadows. Um, borders and corners, you've been able to do in certain places, pieces, and parts of Maui and Xamarin Forms, but we're actually taking it to a whole nother level here. We're standardizing it across all the layouts and controls that support these features. Um, and then shadows would be whole, all new. So uh, those may not all land exactly at the same time, but I'm excited about them. Speaking of, we're just talking, James, about design. And uh, when's the last time you saw a design that didn't need a border, a corner, or a shadow? All of them do. Every all single one. Uh, quick, quick question for you here on some of these features like on the font scaling. Mm -hmm. On the font scaling, if I just if I just set my font to like large, is that mm -hmm. on automatically? So like the the system automatically does stuff, or how's that work? So large will still work. What this is going to do, however, the font scaling. If you set your font to eighteen, mm. and by default. The is scaling enabled, I think is, or maybe it's is font scaling enabled. I can't remember what the property is actually called. Um, it's on by default. So what's going to happen yeah. is if I go into my uh, accessibility settings on my phone or my desktop for that matter, and I scale it up to 120%, then that 18 is going to become whatever 120% is on that platform. Got it. Right? <laughs> cool. And so therefore you can set your base size using device independent units. Perfect. Um, and then, yeah, get what you want. So I think it's a whole lot more flexible than, you know, cause who knows what large is, who knows what headline is. It's super true. Arbitrary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's going to be a, a big one for folks. Um, the last thing I'll mention is that from here on through GA release, bug fix, bug fix, bug fix, bug fix, bug fix. Um, on the things related to Maui, uh, there's certainly more work to be done to light up features like Hot Restart for iOS, which is the ability for you to develop directly from Windows to any iOS device. No Mac involved in that process. Um, so that is still yet to be uh, lit up in Visual Studio. Um, and then some of the single project property panels are being worked on to make sure that you have access to all of that stuff. And then a lot of end-to-end -end testing scenarios, right? So you have the workflow for publishing your app, the workflow for debugging your app, for adding and removing images and all those sorts of things. We're working through all those scenarios, testing everything. We're porting all the Xamarin.Form samples that make sense. We're porting them to .NET MAUI with the help of many, you know, I Hopefully, I don't make it sound like I am doing all this work. <laughs> this is clearly a lot of people doing a lot of work. And so big, big props to them. Um, also work on, heck, the, the project system team to make sure that our single project multi-targeted thing builds optimally, doesn't build all four projects at one time. That's being worked on. Um, migration assistant. Uh, we will be uh, shipping hopefully very soon. I don't have a date yet, but maybe in the next few weeks, a preview, public preview of the .NET Upgrade Assistant for Xamarin and Maui 
projects. So that'll be nice. Um, you can migrate today by hand. We've got documentation posted for that. It's not a laborious process, um, but the migration assistant will be a nice, or yeah, .NET upgrade assistant. I call it a migration assistant. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever you call it, it assists you. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, that's be very useful. So uh, that covers the the highlights. There's tons more work to be done and in in flight. And uh, look forward to the next blog post where I try to figure out what's there and tell everybody how awesome it is. Yeah, and if you go to the devblogs.microsoft.com, there's actually now a little drop down on there that says Maui. So you can tap on that. And a lot of the blogs are being all kind of migrated into the .NET blog. And then there's category filters. So if you're doing Blazor, for example, that's a category under the ASP.NET blog. And then the .NET one is the .NET blog. And then you have you know, .NET Maui under there. So you can actually easily with one click get into that category. And right now it's all of the preview stuff. However, you're going to start seeing a lot new blog posts, not there and still on the Xamarin blog too. Um, but there's going to be some great ones on upgrading libraries, doing a bunch of stuff. If you're a current Xamarin developer looking to get to .NET Maui, but it's very exciting. You see a lot more content come out, hence the .NET Maui podcast. Hence, there's a .NET mm-hmm. Maui section on the blog. There's a lot happening. .NET Maui community standup <laughs> as well with new branding as well. Yes, there is. I didn't even know this was on the blog. That's really cool. I learned yeah, something. I mean, Value. That, that .NET community team always staying one step ahead. <laughs> you're great. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, by the way, I didn't do any of that. I I asked the dev blog team to kindly add one button drop down, and they did, and it was cool. You know, you got to think about it. So, but thank you for tagging all of your posts gracefully. And then we we changed it a little bit too, so it actually says you know .NET Maui part of the .NET blog, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. So we can we can change and optimize that. But it has its own RSS feed. That's oh, what's also cool too. So if you want to get just .NET Maui blogs, you can do that, or you can get all .NET blogs. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I'm real excited next week. Um, David Fowler is going to have a blog post, which is all of his new favorite features of .NET 6, his new favorite APIs. There are some amazing things. Like there's this argument null exception dot like, I don't know, it's like throw if Mm. null. And then you just pass it an object. And if it's null, it throws an exception. Like genius. So smart. I knew nothing about that too. I should probably uh, check that out. It's really good. Anyways, check out the blog. We'll put links into the show notes. Uh, as always, David, thank you so much for coming on and talking about all the awesomeness coming in .NET Maui Preview 7. Thanks for having me. Well, not only do we have .NET Maui Preview 7, but Matt, I think we have a whole bunch of Visual Studio updates. Is that correct? We have Visual Studio Mac 2022. It's what? 2022 Visual Studio Mac? It's happening. I know. It's private preview. It's crazy. So what you can do, and it's, which, well, I'll put the link in the show notes, is that you can actually go out and sign up for the private preview for VS Mac. And so this is super cool. We all know and love VS Mac as it sits here, but the new VS Mac is going to come with a fully native user interface which has a couple of great benefits to it. It's going to be one faster because it's all the good Mac UI behind it. And it's also going to have some, take advantage of some of Mac OS's um, built-in accessibility for it. Like, you know, if you're, you change your um, Mac OS's uh, like a high contrast theme, it's going to automatically bring that right in and uh, you have it there. So it kind of, it's built in, it takes advantage of all the built-in Mac OS stuff. 
has voiceover compatibility, all that other great stuff. Also, here's the other cool thing that I, you know, and it's one of those things that after you hear about it, it's like, yes, this is great. I love it. Is that we're going to make the experience to it very similar to what you see over on Visual Studio Windows. What does that mean, man? You know, you just said it's going to be totally <laughs> Mac. We're like, well, what we're talking about here is like the menus and the drop downs are going to have like the same terminology on it. So if you go over to a VS Windows and you go like to the debug menu, and I'm kind of just making things up here, and it has, you know, build, it's going to be in the same spot and it's going to say the same thing over on the Mac side. So it just kind of keeps you going. If you have to switch back and forth, it's this nice, seamless environment. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's really neat. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the uh, native UI going to be faster it's just gonna it's it's exciting and um, what you can do you can sign up for the private preview now um put the link there the public preview is coming and yeah vs mac 2022 just like vs windows 2022 2022 is on its way awesomeness it's coming i have this i have it installed i have the yeah, private you, private preview it's it's a thing it's happening yeah it's, it's good love it yeah i like that the git experience is the same it's the new git experience which i really love inside of windows visual studio and it's going to be pretty much exactly the same over on the mac and i really really like that and i think that's the same thing as i've already been playing around with it and you can tell from the screenshots or from other things it's going to look similar but if you just look at the screenshots you see some Hmm. Just some commonalities, I would say, you know, mm-hmm. starting to bring it a little bit closer and, and doing what Visual Studio for Mac does best. And uh, it's good. I'm, I'm, I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's, I'm super excited for it. And uh, so another, I'm going to skip over to Visual Studio 2019. So we're going to not talk about the preview of Visual Studio quite yet, but 2019 V16.11. And so the big deal about this one, James, is that it's the final update of Visual Studio 2019. Wow. And take a guess of how long this is going to be supported for. I was blown away when I heard it. 28 years. <laughs> Almost. It's going to be supported till April 2029. Oh my gosh. What? I know. I oh, know. Oh. What are you going to be doing in April 2029? I, oh, it's eight <laughs> years. I'm going to be 43. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah, totally crazy. But, yeah, so take an upgrade or update to this one because the previous, like, 16.10 and, like, 16.9 aren't going to be supported as long as this one. Mm. So, obviously, you'll want to update to this one. It's the long-term servicing release. And uh, it has a couple uh, bug fixes in it, obviously. It has some Git tooling updates. And the one thing I thought was pretty neat, it has... Hot Reload for .NET previews are built into this, too. And we'll talk a little bit about Hot Reload when we start talking about Visual Studio 2022. But that's like Hot Reload for XAML, but Hot Reload for C Sharp. Mm. So, yeah, neato. So, why don't we talk about Visual Studio 2022 Preview 3. All right. <laughs> We're back, back I'm in 2022, in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, as you know, you can go out and download it right now. I have it. I have it installed. I installed I, it. have it installed. Do you Got like it. it? Is it working It's amazing. You? I love it. And uh, a couple new improvements with uh, Preview 3 is uh, dark theme mm-hmm. improvements. Um, this is kind of neat. I haven't ever done this ever in my entire life. Have you ever looked at a memory dump, James, to try to debug it? Yes. You have. Yeah, Has it I worked have. for you? I mean, how did you like that experience? Subpar. Subpar. VS 2022 Preview 3 
and onwards. It's going to have like a diagnostics analyzer in it. Ooh. So it's going to help you identify common, common problems nice. with it. So it's going to kind of like look at this huge memory dump and pull out like we've seen this before and uh, this is how you're going to fix it or you know, this might be wrong. So it's going to help out with stuff like that to make you more productive. Um, another cool thing that I saw that it's going to be able to do is uh, work with multiple Git repos at once. Now, again, this is something I haven't really done ever because I've worked a lot with, uh, never worked with really huge, huge teams or really mm. huge, huge projects. So always been kind of been in one repo, but I can easily imagine where you would have one large solutions. Like let's say if you're working on, um, What's the word? Oh, microservices. If you're working on microservices, they might be spread out through uh, different Git repos. And so Visual Studio 2022 will be able to handle that where you can kind of bring them all in and work with them at the same time at once. Yeah, you know, I, I had that. I have I have done this. I was thinking about this feature because I saw it come out and I was like, I've never done this, but I can totally see it happening in huge projects. Like ginormous, like you're saying, like at huge enterprises or just anything. But when I worked at Seton, we... Um, we had multiple Git repos. This is the first place I used Git. I used TFS before everything else. And we would have a bunch of different projects that built and shipped independently, but had shared logic. So you could just add those as like sub-modules mm-hmm. um, as well, but sub-modules are sub-modules and they're not, you know, they're sub-modules. But often I would clone both of them and I'd have them open and and they would be um, or dependency and things like that. And then I would have multiple ones working around with intertwining dependencies. It's probably not the best, but it's how it worked at least. It, there weren't microservices back then that I was doing, but it was, um, I could tell that this is really cool. And this is a cool feature that's like, when I think of Visual Studio, you know, the, the full blown idea, I think about these, you know, these features that are complex for the, you know, multiple projects, multiple solutions, multiple things. And, and that's what Visual Studio does best. And I love it. So this is a cool addition. Even if you don't use it, you got to appreciate it. I've noticed a lot of the uh, features that we're rolling out with Visual Studio 2022 are these nice productivity enhancements mm-hmm. to it, which is going to make everybody's life easier as we go. Yeah, that kind of rolls into the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, a lot of the folks on the VS 2022 team are putting out a lot of blog posts where they're talking about the productivity enhancements that they're working on. Um one big one, as we mentioned before, is the hot reload, which um, helps you reduce your app starts. It's like XAML hot reload, but for C Sharp. Mm-hmm. And right now it's working with um, WPF, uh, WinUI 3, ASP.NET, and um, console apps and Blazor Server as well. Mm-hmm. Coming up, it will work with .NET MAUI, of course, and uh, Blazor um, Wasm, so Blazor on the app. Or nice. Blazor in the browser. So a couple new features that they just added to it is that you can now hot reload uh, razor, p- razor pages. Mm-hmm. Also works with um, supporting custom custom attributes and record records, and you can actually edit switch expressions too. So it's it's iterating as you go. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That's baked right into a hot reload or Visual Studio 2022. And we'll link out to a blog post where Dimitri kind of goes over everything there. Um, there's also a bunch of new personalization features that are going to be on it, such as uh, like on, um, it'll automatically, you know how on Mac, James, and I use a Mac all the time, how like if you have the theme set, it'll be bright during the daytime and kind of go dark theme automatically at night. That's what I have or my phone set as too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so what, Visual Studio is going to um, respect that over on the Windows side too. So automatically, it's going to have night mode, essentially, and just go for yeah. it. 
you know, so cool stuff like that. And it's also going to have like some nice inclusive features as well. Um, like, so if you, if you haven't like for our neurodiverse developers or learning differences, like it's going to be able to adjust the line spacing in between the lines, um, help you uh, customize the tabs to be working exactly the way you want. And um, things like that, that really help make everybody productive across, you know, the whole everything. Yeah. And um, again, uh, multi-repo support, which we, we talked about that already. And yeah. Um, and the cool thing is we'll keep on putting these blog posts in as we will talk about them as well, because there's going to be a whole lot more of them in it as we come out. Yeah. And don't forget that you can install things side by side. Um, mm-hmm. I have, um, I have my visual studio 2022 right next to visual studio 2019. And I just install uninstalled the visual studio 2019 preview. You know why? There's no more previews. No, no more previews. No you more previews. It. It's the last it's gone. one. It's gone. Um, talking about some other things that are evolving into new versions uh, is both the, dot, uh, the the Xamarin Community Toolkit and Xamarin Essentials. Oh, my goodness. Let's start with our good friend, Brandon Minnick, uh, your colleague over there in the Cloud Advocate Org. Mm-hmm. Brandon has been contributing with all the amazing community members and the owners of the Xamarin Community Toolkit, which is a community slash Microsoft combination. It's run by the community and a few individuals from Microsoft that have helped kind of bring it to fruition and add new features going forward. There's been over 80 contributors, 250,000 downloads, and it's using over 500 open source GitHub repos. And And if you don't know about the Xamarin Community Toolkit, we've been talking about forever, which it's all about adding all that extra goodness and different controls and MVVM helpers and converters and effects and behaviors that, you know, a lot of people have been developing. It brings them into one place, right? And there's been, you know, Windows community toolkits and WPF community toolkits and all this stuff. And it follows that vein, which is really cool. Now, of course, as we evolve into Don and Maui, you're like, well, what's happening to the community toolkit? Well, there's going to be a new community toolkit, which is the Don and Maui community toolkit. Um, uh, which is really nice. So it's going to bring in brand new handlers for .NET 6, all the stuff with .NET MAUI and rely on that. But there's also going to be a MAUI Compat library for xamarin.communitytoolkit.maui Compat. And what's nice about that is it's going to follow that pattern that David was talking about with some of the backwards compatibility um, Xamarin forms controls that you can use in a .NET MAUI app. So you can you know upgrade over time. But here's the bigger thing, Matt, is it's not just the Don M. Maui and the Xamarin Community Toolkit anymore. Oh, no, no, no. There's a brand new org. All of the community toolkits have come together over here at Microsoft. And there's a new community toolkit GitHub organization, which has not only the .NET MAUI Community Toolkit, it has the Windows Community Toolkit, and it has just general .NET Community Toolkit stuff for all .NET developers. So you can go over there and you can look at all of them. There's like graph controls and the MAUI Community Toolkit and the Windows Community Toolkit and MVVM samples and all sorts of good stuff over there. So you'll be able to find all the .NET MAUI stuff, the markup stuff, Lottie stuff, lab stuff, all this great stuff that have been worked on by the community and by um, individuals here at Microsoft to bring it together. And it's part of the .NET Foundation, which is so cool. So they're going to really be bringing it all together into one big, happy family. That's so exciting. And it's really, I love the fact that we have a Maui Compat, so it doesn't break Mm -hmm. anything as we take our time to upgrade, which is super neat. And yeah, it's neat that the Windows Community Toolkit's getting folded into this too. So it's all in one. We're all happy. 
super nice. And the same thing's about to happen with Xamarin Essentials because if you know it or not, Essentials is actually .NET MAUI Essentials. It's actually part of .NET MAUI, literally in the box already with .NET MAUI is .NET MAUI Essentials. All the things that you love from Xamarin Essentials, which has had over 10 million installs, 80 plus contributors, has been used or been starred 1.4 thousand times on GitHub, and kind of really a foundation for applications for a long time since it was first introduced, is going to evolve into .NET MAUI Essentials. You can bring it into any .NET MAUI application or any iOS or Android .NET application, just use it as part of it, but it'll be a fundamental piece of .NET MAUI. And all those APIs that you know and love will be there. They'll all just work as you know them. There might be a few changes here and there, but mostly just work as is. Um, and and you'll already see them in .NET uh, 6, uh, preview six, done in Maui preview six and seven, of course, now. Um, and you can just add a command line option or not a command line option, but a project option called using Maui essentials and it'll bring it right in. Now there is a new release to Xamarin essentials 1.7. This is focusing on critical, critical bug fixes. And of course, also, um, a, a few API changes for the web authenticator based on some feedback that was essential to keep up to date with new versions of iOS. And um, um, just like the Xamarin Community Toolkit, um, the Xamarin Essentials project will follow the same schedule as Xamarin Forms, um, which will continue to support Xamarin Essentials until November 2022. But of course, it is uh, open source, so you can always continue to, to go that route too and um, pull it in and, and take a look at the roadmap and everything like that. But that is out there today, so you can update. There's some nice bug fixes and optimizations in 1.7. But yeah, all things down at Maui going forward, um, which is really, really cool. They're all going to be there. It's real exciting times. Yeah, it really is exciting times. But I do have a question for you, James. Is when do we drop the essentials name from .NET Maui Essentials and just call it, bake it right into .NET Maui? I mean, it's... Hmm. When's the last time you've used, not used .NET Essentials or Xamarin Essentials in a Xamarin app? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there are definitely developers doing it today, um, that's for sure. I think the one nicety is that library creators can take a dependency on the .NET MAUI Essentials or Xamarin Essentials and use that in their libraries, especially for the platform helpers, things like that. Um and not have to rely on pulling in the full specific version of a .NET MAUI. I think the other thing that we, we've done, it's a great question. I'm so glad you asked it. The other thing that the team has really thought about over the years of should it, you know, we had the same question, should it just be in Xamarin forms? You know, there's the same question that John, Matthew, and I asked ourselves and talked to Miguel and talked to community members. And the biggest thing is that to be able to put out hot fixes separate from the core UI library seemed like a big ask from developers. And that was the one thing we were hoping to, to continue on with. And that's what I think it is. But good question. No, it makes total sense. But I'm always going to still keep on using it in every single project. So the the nice thing is that when the inside the CS project of a Maui app, it says uses Maui, right? True. That inherently automatically brings in .NET Maui essentials. So you don't even know it's being brought in. It's like automagic. It's as mm -hmm. if it was bundled underneath it because .NET MAUI Essentials is a dependency of .NET MAUI. All right. So essentially it is an essential. 
Correct. Essentially, it is an essential. That is correct. Yes. Yes. All right. There you go. Well, Matt, what is happening over in the cloud world? All right. So one of the things that I... I get some questions about, and it actually is a little bit confusing. And the reason why it's confusing is just really, it's, it's kind of like an awareness thing is this, the, the, the Azure SDK. And so a lot of the product teams have an SDK, like there's a storage SDK, and then we have something called the Azure SDK. And what is it? And, you know, essentially why is it too? Azure Friday kind of goes over the top level what Azure SDK does. And what's really nice about it is that the Azure SDK API is a nice little fluent design. And then once you get to know one of the SDKs for a product, another product is going to be really similar because it's built off the same way. Like you're going to use a builder class to go get references to things. And it's kind of, even though they do different things, you're going to be familiar with how they do uh, things. It's kind of the idiomatic way of doing things that you'll be, all right, I'm at home with it. Now I just need to know the product differences that do um, certain functionalities. So go check out the video. It kind of answers the questions of what's all involved with the Azure SDK. Totally worth watching. And another thing I wanted to push out or talk about, and it's because it has a great name in the post, it's called Target Random Users with Blog or with Push Notifications. Now, this isn't just going out and sending a a push notification willy-nilly to anybody out there. What it actually is, it's about really kind of like if you're A-B testing push notifications. Let's say you're a part of a, a, man, or a merchant and you want to um, test out a push for an upcoming promotion and you want to send um, a version to it to like 10 uh, of your users, another one to 10 users before you shoot out the main one, the, the winner, so to speak, to the rest of the 80. And so this goes through and tells you how to accomplish that. And you do it through uh, Azure Notification Hubs tags. So let's say when uh, somebody logs in or initially registers with Azure Notification Hubs, you can assign them a tag. And then with that, you can then push to a specific tag. So I'm not going to have to say, James, I'm pushing exactly to you or I'm pushing exactly to me. I'm going to be pushing to a tag number and that's going to push to everybody who happens to have that tag. So it's a way to abstract um, users and Azure notification hubs so you can actually just send to a grouping at a time. So um, this article goes over it and it's totally um, worth a read to find out how you would do that with uh, start uh, using push notifications at a little more advanced level with uh, notification hubs. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. I do. I've always wanted to kind of do something like that. And I like the idea of A-B testing or doing different promotions or things like that, or even just, uh, I love the ability to send different informational alerts. I was thinking about my application. I don't have push notifications in it today, but trying to get more people to beta test new versions and even just trying to like look at oh, register this tag as an active user in quotes. That's like, you know, a power user and they might get notified because they're they're in that group and that tag or whatever. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's a really neat idea. And I'm, it's, I'm glad that it's kind of explained. It's one of those nice blog posts where they actually walk you through step-by-step. Step. Azure Service of the Month, James, want to hear, hear a new one? Azure Logic Apps. 
And so what's neat about Azure Logic Apps is um, you can think of, it's like kind of like Azure Functions in a way, except what it has is it has a bunch of uh, built-in connectors to it. And you can, um, I guess, logically draw out a workflow of how you want something to happen. So let's say you want a logic app to react to an HTTP request coming in. And then you want it to connect to Twitter. So essentially you're, what you're going to do is you're going to drag in a Twitter adapter or a connector to it, you know, set up all your login information. And then if like a certain, let's say, hook up to Azure Maps as well. And if you say like, all right, an HTTP request came in and if there's traffic accident over, you know, somewhere in Seattle, it's going to tweet out um, that there's a traffic incident somewhere. And so you can do these, uh, this logic app and uh, base it off of incoming events and kind of lay it all out in a kind of like a WYSIWYG fashion. So it's kind of neat to use that way in that you're not really sitting down and writing code, but you're actually looking at the code and um, spreading it out that way. So yeah, I'll, I'll include, a, include a link for it and uh, folks can go check it out. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Logic Apps. It's Logic Apps is very much like Flow or Power Automate, but they are a little bit different because it's inside of Azure, which means you have access to Azure things. So an example of that would be they both have their their pluses and minuses based on what you're trying to accomplish. But a good example is I need to create a webhook that I can call into and send data. You, you can do that with a logic app. That could be your trigger uh, instead of a time trigger or, uh, you know, someone, you know, uh, tweeted something as a trigger. Mm-hmm. But the additional thing is like, let's say you're using Azure Functions. What's really cool is you can automate this to say, hey, um, when a, a blob is is entered or uh, the tweet occurs, you could then pass data and you could call an Azure function directly that does something on the data, returns something back to you. And you could you could basically use this and the connector so you don't have to write a bunch of code, let the logic app handle it for you automatically. We've also recently been using this uh, in uh, our blog setup. We have this automation. So what happens is it's all powered by GitHub and synchronizes with our blog engine and with our planner board, which is like a Kanban board. And what happens is when somebody opens a pull request for our blog, the .NET blog, what will automatically happen is a uh, GitHub action will get called which validates the blog post, but then also calls a logic app that processes that data and it will determine if it needs to create, update, or delete an entry on the planner board automatically, assign it to the right person, have the right assigned date, and it tracks the um, GitHub pull request ID and the planner ID in a table storage instance, which is really cool too. I wrote this logic app. That's how I know how this works. Um, so that way, when the pull request gets merged or closed, it has that pairing like a little database. And since it's inside of Azure, I have access to table storage, to functions, to these webhooks all automatically. Um, I worked with Emo Landworth on this, uh, which is really cool. He did a lot of the validation engine and, and I worked on the logic app part of it. It's really slick to help do that stuff. And I use, I use honestly... Uh, Matt, I use 
on any given day, 20, 30, 40 power automations and logic apps to, to do work here at Microsoft. I mean, things, I wake up in the morning and things just happen. They all happen <laughs> through the night. So anytime <laughs> I was duplicating work, does automatically happen. And a lot of that is based off of forms and based off of, you know, automated just every, you know, 20 minutes or every morning at 3 a.m. go do stuff and insert, update, delete stuff. Um, the more I can automate, the better. And I could write all the C-sharp code. And many of my, much of my code too is C-sharp. Like a lot of times these power automations or the logic apps are calling into my C-sharp functions to do advanced stuff, um, to, to call different APIs, to parse different logic uh, that, that you can only do there. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm always in awe when there's, there's more of these types of services help me be more happy every single day to automate some of that, some of that stuff I don't want to do. Right. Yeah. And just because you're dragging and dropping a lot of the time doesn't mean it's necessarily a toy because you are calling out to functions or whatever you have. And Mm -hmm. these connectors are super powerful that you can do. And yeah, we should actually talk about um, maybe during .NET Conf or something, we can do a little session on it. You know how a .NET developer can be more productive using using logic apps. Oh, yeah. I think absolutely. All right. I got one pick of the pod. You ready for it? Hit me. All right. My pick of the pod was actually based off of a .NET community, community standup, the ASP.NET community standup, focus on Blazor. I'm really getting into the .NET Blazor story over here. Um, my thing is I'm not a web developer and I am a client developer. And that means when I want to go create a Blazor website, whether it's simple or something like that, I have to go learn a bunch of HTML and bootstrap and CSS and all this stuff. And I don't want to, um, because, (laughs) because I, it's not my jam. Uh, so there's a, there's a bunch of awesome community packages out there, but the one that they were showing off, they had the team behind blazer, blazer eyes. It's kind of like blazer rise. Maybe, maybe that's how it is. Blazer rise, but blazer, Blazor eyes. And this thing is awesome. It is for all intents and purposes, a bunch of custom components for bootstrap, Bulma, ant design and material that you can bring into your Blazor application. And why is that important? Well, what it does is it gives you all of those essential controls, like a, um, a card, a uh, drop down, a grid, a layout, a modal, pagination, repeater, step, tooltip, things that you would write in HTML and CSS with Bootstrap. But let's say you wanted to create a tab, you know, a bunch of tabs. It basically looks like XAML. You say tabs, and then there's a selected tab and a selected tab change, and you have items, which are the tabs, and content, which are tab panels. And it feels very much like doing. XAML and doing Xamarin Forms development and .NET MAUI development. It makes me feel good about life um, when I'm doing this, but it's still Razor, so it still has all of your bind <laughs> properties and all that other stuff, but the documentation is great. Um, it is really good, and I was able to add a dropdown and tabs into a, an app that, if I had known about this then, it would have saved me hours worth of work just to try to figure out all the CSS and HTML. It just made it so much easier. So, Check it out, blazerize.com. We'll put a link into the show notes. Yeah, that was totally cool. You sent me the link. I was like, wow, this is Xamarin Forms, but it's not. But it, not. you'll be at home with it. Yeah. Cool. Exactly. It's awesome. So we did it. 
the first.net Maui podcast. I'm proud of us. Yeah. You can go to MauiPodcast.net. That's that's what I'd register. I just looked it up. MauiPodcast.net. I love it. It's like .net Maui, but backwards. <laughs> I know. Well, so I was going to get like .net Maui.net, but then it's like, that's already .net. I don't know. Maybe I'll register something else. Who knows? We'll see by the time this comes. How many domain names will I own? Nobody knows. Too many. Um, all right, man. Well, that's going to do it. Um, check out our new website. Grab that new artwork. Um, check it out. Uh, appreciate everyone for being here. Matt, thanks so much. I'll talk to you next month. 